I really do think the best thing that happened to me in my career was getting laid off from muscle and fitness and having that year and a half to freelance. I was able to write about topics that I otherwise would never have written about. I wrote for Business Insider. I wrote for Men's Journal. I wrote for all these publications that I otherwise would not have had access to if it wasn't if I wasn't forced to put my nose to the grindstone and reach out. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, we have a special conversation for you. Call it Insider Tips to Fitness Journalism. I'm talking to Barbend's editor-in-chief, Andrew Gutman, a veteran of numerous fitness and strength sports-based publications, and we are giving you tips and tricks on how to network your way into this industry, whether you want to contribute as a writer, a videographer, a photographer, you name it. We cover some of our best learnings about how to get involved with outlets like Barbend and, hey, even some of our competitors, some of our esteemed competitors in the fitness journalism space. Hope you enjoy. One of my favorite people to talk to on a daily basis because we work together and it's a real treat to have him back on the Barman Podcast. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. We're talking about breaking into fitness journalism and strength journalism. You have quite the journey yourself on that. So if you don't mind, give us a bit of your, like the, the, like the cliff notes of your career rundown. Yeah, totally. Well, first, David, always happy to be on the Bar Band Podcast. I love chatting with you. So I started at Springfield College going for strength and conditioning, but then transitioned to journalism, sports journalism and communication. I don't really like sports. Like I don't like baseball. I don't like football. So I'm like, I don't know like what I'm doing or what I'm going to cover. You sound like a lot of fun at parties is what you said. <laughs> yeah. Nobody in my, everybody in my major is like, what, like, why, like you don't follow the paths. I also went to school in Massachusetts. So it was just like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I, I took an internet journalism class where we are all had to start our own websites. I started a, uh, a blog, a fitness blog. And then my advisor was like, oh, we actually have an alum who works at muscle and fitness magazine. So maybe you'd like to intern there. And I was like, Yes. Intern there, that turned into a job. Once I graduated, I was at Muscle and Fitness Magazine for about four years. Then I freelanced a bit after the company was sold and I was let go. And I worked for Insider Health, Men's Health, Men's Journal, uh, different kind of broader health and fitness publications like that. And then I found my way to Barbend. That's kind of been the journey thus far. Well, we can talk a little bit more about this later. Your journey at Barbend has been also uh, very cool to, to, for me to personally be a small part of because you've gotten promoted a couple times. So you're clearly doing something that those barbend that those barbend folks like in bringing strength sports coverage to the, to the masses. I'm a little biased there, obviously, but you know, that journey, I would call it uh, fairly stereotypical for like the old school method of breaking into journalism, right? Like go to, go to school, either do an activity or extracurricular or study something that's like hyper relevant to wanting to go into journalism, then get an internship and hope that leads to a job. Is that a path that you think is very viable for folks who want to break into fitness journalism these days, you know, in 2022? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I would say for what we specifically do, I don't think you need to go down that typical route. If you want to be a wartime reporter or maybe want to work for the New York Times and do like deep investigative journalism, I think like a degree in journalism from a solid school is a must have. Um, There's a lot of nuance to covering those topics. And there's a lot of nuance and to what we do too. But what I mean to say is like, Times have changed big time, even in the last 10 years. So if you have an interest, if you have a cell phone and a recorder and even an interest in something like strength sports, you can really just start a YouTube channel and cover it yourself and really make a career out of it. I mean, David, you know, like a lot of where we get our information is YouTube and Instagram. I mean, two social channels, people who who have such an interest that they've developed relationships with these athletes, they go over... Matt Rhodes, who was just on the podcast, I think is a great example. I don't know what his background is. Uh, full disclosure, I actually haven't yet listened to the podcast. Oh, come but on. You're killing, you're I, killing me here, Andrew. I know, I know. I haven't yet listened to it. It's on my, it's on my list. The Chuck Llamas one was the last one I, I listened to, and that was, the, that was some ear candy for sure. My point is you can just like go online, start a YouTube channel, and – give the results and information that people need and, and you become a source as long as you get enough information right. Let's talk a little bit about going back to kind of your career path. What was some advice that you might have gotten along the way that was good? And what's some advice that you got along the way in your journalism career that in hindsight was really bad? Uh, well, good advice. I mean, the first thing that sticks out sticks out to me, the late editor-in-chief of Muscle and Fitness, Sean Perrine, told me, and I don't know if this is really pertains specifically to journalism, but he was like, always, always, always be transparent with everybody about everything. And that stuck out to me. And I try my best to be as transparent with everybody. But in terms of like, oh God, bad advice, that's a, that's a much that's a more fun question. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll start off while you're thinking. Yeah, my advice, I was told by my first ever boss in, in my journalism career at my first you know, professional writing gig out of college. Uh, I was told that you should always stay with the blue chip. Like you should always stay with the established publication and the startup realm was no place for journalists or anyone interested in media. This was kind of like, to date myself, like the pre-BuzzFeed days, right? The, the pre-YouTube influencer days. And he sat me down at his desk and he said, David, I know you're probably interested in exploring startups or maybe starting your own thing. This was years and years and years before Barbed. And he said, that's a bad idea. If you want to be a journalist, stick with the established publications because that's where you're going to make your mark. And there's no reason to go out there and try and build a new audience because it's not going to happen. And, you know, I, I, it's not like Barbend is the New York is competing against the New York Times necessarily. Maybe on some terms we are, right? But I sit here well over a decade later and just think about how wrong he was because I'm so happy doing what I do today. And it's because I was able as a group of founders to go out and, and start something new and take that leap uh, because Barbend didn't even exist as a concept when he was telling me that. So he's also like super successful and has done fine with his life since then. But I look back and I think, huh, like what terrible advice. I'm so glad I didn't listen to a darn thing he said that day. 
Yeah, that is kind of everybody exists in a vacuum, right? Like if he found success on that route, like he probably thinks like, why would anybody go a different route? Yeah, God. So this is not even remotely as deep as that. But I had a teacher one time tell me never write a sentence longer than 12 words, which just doesn't seem correct, right? Well, that is that is what actually I'm going to go check every piece of barbend content you've ever edited and make sure there are no sentences longer than 12 words. Yeah, he's he's rolling around somewhere reading barbend.com, just like he didn't listen to me at all. The weird gra- the weird advice I got on syntax or grammar or whatever it was was in high school. I had a, a teacher who I really liked tell me never start two sentences in the same paragraph with the same word, which is a bunch of baloney, but yeah. actually something that I like held near and dear well until my adult life, like well into my adult life and career as a writer. And I actually think probably did help my writing because it makes it sound less repetitive. But like I had it in my mind that that was, that was a rule. That was like a hard and fast rule, just like you have to use punctuation at the end of a sentence. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I don't hate that though. I mean, that sticks out to me when I'm like editing a piece. If I see the same sentence that starts with the same word, like in the same paragraph, it sticks out. And I'm like very quick to change that. So not totally anti that rule, but definitely not a rule. What it could be. I mean, hey, you write, you control Barbin's style guide. What What are some weird rules or rules of thumb that you've instituted for barbens writers that like might not exist anywhere else yeah i mean this is very specific to fitness um but so we will write as you know like ap style and for those who are listening who don't know like ap style is like one of the standard like grammatical bibles that anyone who has a career in journalism or writing follows ap style dictates that you spell out any number fewer than 10, less than 10. And then you write numerically like 10 and above. So like we stick with that. But then if we write out like a workout chart, we'll do all numerals. So that leads to some confusion. But other than that, I don't know, man. (laughs) I think that's probably the most weird, weird or like, yeah, weird one I could think of. We, I've gotten a little bit off track and I'm sure we could dive in on a lot of more weird things that are strength sports specific, like style guides at, you know, the Washington post aren't necessarily going to have like kilogram to pounds conversions when it comes to powerlifting meets, but like we have our rules for that. Let's talk a little bit about a point in your journalism career that I know we've chatted about before over, over lunch or, or a stiff drink and that's traveling to events. I know that's something that's a big deal for every journalist, uh, especially a sports journalist, like the first time you're on assignment to go travel. And I'm not sure if this was your first ever travel assignment when you were working for Muscle and Fitness, but you had a trip that I know is very near and dear to your heart to Alaska. Oh, yeah. To cover to cover a strength competition in Alaska. And I don't want to say more because I don't want to paraphrase. Tell us how that came about. Tell us how a young glint in his eye journalist andrew navigated that because i think it's a really telling story for the fact that like in strength sports journalism sometimes you're put in situations especially covering events where you you just have to macgyver things together a little bit yeah and this is a really good cautionary tale too for how to deal with autonomy because i was at a point in my career where i was not you know, like right now as the editor-in-chief of bar ben i'm given a fair amount of autonomy right like i dictate what goes up on the site and stuff like that whoa whoa, whoa 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 i don't know no, i'm kidding i'm kidding you have <laughs> yeah. you have a ton of autonomy 
But like at this point in my career, I was still an associate editor. I was very used to other people like stopping me from doing things if it wasn't the right move. But for some reason, nobody stopped me from going to Alaska. So what happened was this. Met a guy at an expo, won't say which one. And he was like, hey, I live in Alaska. I run a gym out there. We're having a big competition. I hear you're into strongman. Like you should come out and we will... Uh, you know, I'll get you in front of Bill Kazmaier. You can cover the show. We'll train strongman. I'll rally a few of the uh, competitors to maybe walk you through some some events. And I was like, oh, that's great. So I go to my boss and I'm like, well, it seems like we can get a lot of content out of this. You know, we'll get event coverage. We'll get article like interviews with maybe Bill Kazmaier. We'll, uh, we'll get technique tips on how to lift Atlas stones and hoist logs and all of this. And my boss was like, great. Book the book the trip and uh, you know go get it go get it done. So I so uh, I booked the travel to Alaska, and I get there, and this guy pretty much had nothing set up in terms of like like I didn't have one workout with anyone of note. Bill Kazmaier never saw him, and I get wait, wait was he was he was he there at all? No, not even not even close. Like not he, even. Oh, so I don't even know if he was in Alaska. I so like. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just such a weird, such a weird, weird like lie. And then we get to the event, and I found out the guy who like kind of got me out there for reasons unbeknown to me was not allowed to be at the event. Like he was actually like kicked out. So I was like, he was like, I'll like I'll drop you off, and like you, I'll like go handle it, and I'll come back and get you in like eight hours. I'm like, what? So anyway, the event was strongest the strongest woman in the world. I think this was like 2018, Jessica Fithin, a friend of Barben. She won the event. It was a really cool event. And I was just like running around with my cell phone, taking Instagram photos and like writing up scorecards. And that part went pretty well. And then I get back and my boss was like, Hey, like, what did you do? Like, he's like, like that trip was so much money. Like, what did you do? And I was like, honestly, like not much. And that was like, not good. It, I mean, everything was fine, but that's, a, it, it could have gone, it could have gone a lot better. Well, let's talk a little bit about that event. Uh, were you the only journalist there? Yeah, it was like at a state <laughs> fair in Alaska. Like it was in the, at the Anchorage state fair, there were about 17 people watching and there were God, maybe 10 competitors. It was a, it was a well-run event though. It was very quick. The events were cool. They had a fish toss. They had like axle deadlift for reps they had a really cool loading medley. Uh, they had a sled pull where they pulled like a loaded toboggan sled. The, the event was stellar. That was held by uh, Strongman Corp, I think, owned by Dion Masters. Um, first time meeting her. She's cool. And yeah, it was a really well-run event. Just in hindsight, like not something that I would probably spend you know thousands of dollars of company money to cover like in person. Is this you pitching me on approval to go to next year's iteration of this it is like put the fear of like that like that experience has made it so i fear pitching travel to anybody <laughs> like i i don't think i've yet to pitch you like travel at all because i'm like i it's just gonna it's gonna be useless it's gonna work out to be nothing well one thing that event is famous for is the fish toss where competitors had to toss a rubber salmon it weighed like 50 pounds or 55 pounds and they had to talk yeah, they had to toss it for distance, but like a certain way. They couldn't like they couldn't toss it 
you have to like toss it underhand or something yeah, like like from like you have to hold it like almost like front rack oh okay like okay position and then you have to like launch it forward kind of like putting a shot you couldn't you couldn't swing it like a hammer like a hammer toss no 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 and you can't toss it back overhead either what a well i one thing I people, I thought, love, people thought it was a real fish on Instagram. Yeah, and we, a, we reposted that. We reposted that. That's and the thing. People were like, people were like, oh my god, that's terrible. And it's like it's not a real, like it's not a real fish. I I love that when we re, we posted a story about that on Instagram. That first off, even though we said in the caption it was not a real fish. People just didn't read that, and we were we were accused of perpetuating animal cruelty, which frankly was the, was a first in bar bend history. And my other favorite thing about that was there were people on the thread who said, "I read the caption, but I can tell that's a real fish. I'm kind of an expert in wildlife. That's not a rubber fish." And yeah. so we had to have we had to ask the competitors who were at the event to come in onto the thread and verify. That it was indeed a fake salmon. Great moments in strength sports journalism, right there. Great moments. Yeah, it's funny that you went the extra mile to like be like, "Hey, can you just like verify it's a fake fish?" Like, also, how many times do you think you could toss like a real salmon and it would like? Yeah, I think I think it, I think it it would kind of go splat, you know, and then you'd have like lunch, you know what I mean? Hopefully. You'd have to pick the the gravel out of it if you tossed it if you tossed it in the parking lot, which I think they were doing. Let's talk a little bit about other folks in fitness journalism. Doesn't have to be strength sports journalism. Fitness journalism who have inspired you along your journey. Now that could be people that you've interacted with personally and like you know them and have that relationship, or it could be someone you've never interacted with. You just admire what they're doing in the space. When I originally was in school, I was a really big fan of like long form features. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a lot of classes on like long form feature writing. So two people, two names that come to mind. My original like in at Muscle and Fitness is a Springfield College alum. His name is Matt Tuthill. He now works for Robert Irvine, kind of as Chef Robert Irvine, the celebrity chef. He's his VP of content, uh, but he in my opinion is one of like the greatest feature writers at muscle and fitness who's worked at muscle and fitness. He's really just got a beautiful way with words and can really spin a story. Um, And he actually wrote a feature on Janae Kroc when Janae originally, when Janae originally came out and it was a really, yeah. So it was a great story that actually ended up winning an award uh, so I have a lot of respect for Matt as a writer and as a journalist. Second person that comes to mind and somebody who I believe has has been on the podcast is Michael Esther, who works for. Oh yeah, Michael's been. Yeah, he was. A, he yeah. was a lot of fun to interview. Yeah, yeah, uh, he was on the podcast. He works predominantly with men's health. Again, just a really, really great writer, and I love how he's able to write long form features that are in the health and fitness space but aren't necessarily just about like health and fitness, if that makes sense. Like he wrote that article on the CrossFit games about Dave Castro and Eric Rosa when they were still an item before Dave was like, when they were still still going steady. Yeah. Yeah. When they were still an item. And uh, it was a really, 
you know, it's like about CrossFit, but it's also not about CrossFit. So yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of respect for those two as writers. Amazing. What are some of the misconceptions that, or I guess you could, we'll call it misconceptions, misunderstandings, or even bad habits uh, that you see new writers in the space come in with? Because for folks at home, Andrew has worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of bar band full-time writers and contributors at this point, right? We have a pretty big team of both in-house full-timers and part-timers, contributors from all around the world. And one of Andrew's main jobs these days is to shepherd their onboarding and, and get them jump-started writing for Barbend, whether it's someone we seek out or whether it's someone who approaches us. So what are some like misunderstandings or misconceptions or things that you have to train out of folks when they start writing for us? To be fair, we have our own style, we have our own guidelines, we have our own structures, um, but in a general sense. I know it's a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. Um, and it's also it varies person to person, you know, like not like people have different habits, different styles. Um, I would say like one thing that I've noticed a lot and we're all guilty of this sometimes is like not explaining the why behind something. And I say that specifically because Bar Ben writes a lot of, you know, service content articles on training and nutrition that are supposed to be serviceable to the reader. And, you know, you'll get folks who write something and it's, you'll make a claim and then you assume that the reader knows what you're talking about, but you have to assume the reader knows nothing. Actually going back to that question you asked earlier, David, like what's a really good piece of advice you got that transparency line from Sean Perrine stuck with me, but more specific to journalism, my old deputy editor wrote a sticky note, put it up on the wall, assume the reader knows nothing. It was like a great piece of advice because you're trying to educate, you're trying to guide. And if you write something like, you know, I don't know what's, I can't think of an example right now. Like, you know, the pull-up builds uh, back thickness, right? If you just leave it at that, you kind of leave a lot to be desired. You know, it's almost more distracting to not explain what you mean and just leave it there uh, because it's like, why and how? So the why and the how, I would say that that is, that is something I see a lot of new writers kind of glossing over is explaining the why and the how. I'm glad that he posted that up on the wall because I feel like editors I've had in the past have wanted to post that on my forehead so that I have to, but like backwards so that it's all I can see in my line of vision, just covering my eyes, because that's a trap I fall into all the time, constantly uh, in my writing is not giving context. And the thing is strength sports, you can go so deep down the rabbit hole and you can get so specific. It's very easy to lose the forest through the trees there. What are some pieces of advice you give? Okay. So I'm opening up a can of worms with this next question yeah, yeah. because we get so much inbound from folks who are interested in writing for Barbend. And, and frankly, it's so much that we can't, not only do we not say yes to everyone, right? We can't even respond to everyone for all the inbound writing inquiries we get because we get so many every day. But all that said, if you were to give some pieces of advice, maybe two or three pieces of advice to someone who might want to write for Barbend, what might those be? Yeah. So first thing first, if you, uh, if you approach any publication, I would say come with pitches, you know, at the end of the day, it's like transactional, right? You want to provide a writing service. If you come to the table with ideas, that's a huge green flag. Is that a term? Do people say that green flag? Probably. Green light. It's a green, green light. light. I think. It's a green light. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a huge plus, right? Come to the table with some ideas. 
Um, and keep the pitches concise, right? Like just the headline, like this is what you get. This is the, this is the crux of the story. Come with ideas to, I'd say, be responsive, be communicative, uh, make sure that you're responding to emails in a timely manner. I love what you said about come with pitches. And one thing I want to just pull out and extrapolate from that, you said, keep the pitches concise. If you're pitching any outlet, it could be barman, it could be anyone, and you want to write for them, pitch headlines. Don't yeah. pitch a long paragraph about generally meandering thoughts about what the article is going to be about. Pitch a sample headline. Not to say that that headline is going to be the final headline. That's going to be up to a conversation between the writer and the editor, really. But like, let us see it on the page. Let us imagine it on the page. Don't say, oh, I want to write about strongman and the thing i want to write about strongman is kind of this kind of this kind of this because that signals to an editor that you don't really know where this pitch is going to end up or where this article is going to end up or what it's actually going to accomplish pitch headlines yeah you should be able to understand what the entire story will be about from the headline right you don't have to have every single detail hashed out but you should have the angle as we call it hashed out in the headline. And if you if you can't do that, then the pitch is going to meander. And the editor is going to probably end up with word soup. And no one wants that. And that's a big red flag or a red light for every editor. It, it's a good self-editing tool, too. I do that, too, before I pitch something. I'll write out all of my ideas, and then I try and consolidate them into you know eight-word headlines or something like that. And then you know if you can get like a catchy you know, punchy title. It's pro- and that makes sense. It's a, it's a good idea. It's probably a good idea. Any other advice for folks who might want to break into fitness journalism? Yeah, I would say it's all about networking, right? I really do think it's it's about networking. Who you know, who can vouch for you? Yeah, people. Well, yeah, you got you establish you establish a relationship with somebody, and then you do good work, and then that person knows somebody. It really. It's all about networking. At least that's how I've been able to kind of uh, jump from job to job. Even when, you know, full disclosure, even when I um, applied for Barbend, you know, Ed Samuel at Men's Health vouched for me, right? Like that's somebody I know who I worked with who vouched for me. So like, it is about who you know. Oh, wait, Ed said he vouched for you? Oh. Oh, is he just like. Oh, Andrew. Speaking about a red light. He t- I'm, I'm just joking. Actually, he had, a, he, had, he had a lot of lovely things to say. As yeah. someone who is intimately involved in that interview process, he had a lot of lovely things to say. But like, what if, what if he had? No, Eb's a great guy, and um, he thinks the world of you. So obviously, that's fine. Yeah. So here's the deal: if you if if you want to get if you want to write for a publication and you think you have a good idea, organize your ideas and then reach out. Find somebody at LinkedIn. I would suggest actually not going for like the big fish, right? Like a business insider probably don't reach out to their CEO, right? <laughs> you're probably like, you're probably not going to hear back or their executive editor, even try and find like a staff writer or like an associate editor, somebody who like checks their inbox and checks their LinkedIn, get your ideas in front of that person and just keep hammering until you get a yes. You will eventually, somebody will get back to you. Somebody will appreciate uh, the hustle. And, you know, once you get an in, just keep pitching keep grinding away. You need, it's all about repetition in this game. You need the feedback, you need the edits, uh, you need the experience and just keep doing that. And then eventually doors will open. Honestly, I really do think the best thing that happened to me in my career 
was getting laid off from muscle and fitness and having that year and a half or to to freelance. I really do believe that. I was able to write about topics that I otherwise would never have written about. For example, I did a profile on a hot dog vendor for the Oakland A's. Never, never would I have done that, right, for men's health. I wrote for Business Insider. I wrote for Men's Journal. I wrote for all these publications that I otherwise would not have had access to if it wasn't if I wasn't forced to put my nose to the grindstone and reach out. So all that to say, just reach out. And uh, the worst thing that can happen is you just don't hear back. And and be prepared for that. That's not necessarily a mark against you. It's just people are busy and you know, we don't respond to every inquiry we get at Barbin. It's the same for a lot of other publications. So, you know, it it can be frustrating. Silence can be frustrating, but it isn't necessarily a mark against against you if you don't hear back from someone. Just keep refining, keep asking for advice, keep networking, keep pounding the pavement. What about you, David? You have any specific advice on that front? Yeah, I would just forward all those inquiries to Andrew Gutman, is what I would do. If anyone asked me, if it, I, I, I said this, I can see Andrew. He took a sip of water as I said that. So that was a bit of a cruel joke for me to make. <laughs> Ultimately, I would echo what you say, what you said, and understand that every outlet, every major outlet in fitness journalism and in health journalism these days gets pitched a ton because there are more people who want to write than can actually produce the content than, than outlets like us have capacity for. Make our jobs easy. Make it impossible for us to say no to your pitch or to your pitches because you're coming with great ideas, content we need on our site, right? Really sell it. Make it really easy for us. Don't make us do the work to say yes. Make saying yes so easy that we can't refuse you as a writer. And you do that enough times and you do that consistently enough, you're going to build relationships and find some really amazing writing opportunities in this space. That I truly believe. Andrew, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you giving folks some thoughts and advice for how they can maybe break into the space, uh, whether it's full-time or something they're just really passionate about getting involved in in a part-time capacity. Where's the best place for people to follow along with you? Obviously, barben.com to see your work and your awesome team's work. But personally, where can folks follow along with you? Yeah, the only place I'm really somewhat active is Instagram, Andrew underscore Gutman on Instagram. But really, barben.com. That's that's where I want you to go. So find me there. And breakingmuscle.com. And breakingmuscle.com. That's right. Which has a new awesome team behind it. So if you haven't visited breakingmuscle.com in a while, check it out because a lot of awesome new content recently started going up on that site as well. Another barbed property. Andrew, thanks so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. No problem.